What up, what up, what up? It is week five preview, draft for upside. I'm your host, the man from the Shark Tank, definitively known as the Hierarchy, and I'm joined with Brewery Mark. Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Getting ramped up for hockey one week away. Well, that is exciting. I am getting ramped up for Worlds group stages. The play-ins are over, and we are getting into League of Legends Worlds on Friday. But before all of that, before the Shark Cove returns tomorrow, uh, 8 or 9 p.m., not sure, you and I are going to run through a first look of these NFL games uh, as we see them, questions that we have, and hopefully hopefully, I can get back to not being absolutely fucking atrocious at NFL DFS, <laughs> specifically the ones that I put in the, the, you know, the, the seasonal league that we have. Uh, for whatever reason, I was really, really good in 2020, like, Always was able to like pick my best lineup, put it in there, was in the running, uh, seemingly thought that I had this thing figured out. And uh, since like the year has turned to 2021 and beyond, I've been absolutely terrible. I always pick my worst team. Uh, not that any of my like really good teams necessarily would have even been that good, but um, super disappointed. You know, I had a lot of Josh Jacobs last week. I had a lot of Austin Eckler last week. I had a lot of Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. I just didn't have all of them together in one right. lineup. I had a lot of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews and Curtis Samuel and Deontay Johnson. And I think at one point this past Sunday, um, I had like four touchdowns where the guy got one one foot in and they all got called back. So um, that, was, that was tilting. Uh, I was sober though. So I was able to uh, completely just keep an even keel and just, you know, silently want to jump off my balcony however mark i did take down a tournament in league of legends the same day as such i'm reinvigorated the bankroll is back and we're ready to go <laughs> that's awesome yeah i had i do the same thing i always put my worst lineup into that seasonal league and uh and the one that really got me was i had a geno stack had a seattle detroit stack but i put Tyler Lockett in instead of DK Metcalf in the stack. I had Penny, and then I ran it back with um, Jamal Williams, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, you know, uh, over uh, our friends over at Pater, uh, James McCool, was uh, talking up Gino, and I had considered it. I even mentioned it on my Sunday morning show with uh, uh, over at Dr. Roto. I, I was talking about, like, the cheapest quarterback that I would consider. Said there was a lot of hype around Gino. Wasn't sure that I wanted to get there, and I didn't. You know, I stuck with like Lamar and Herbert, and and it was okay. But obviously, any piece of that game that really wasn't Tyler Lockett was okay. I mean, I had some Jamal, I had some Josh Reynolds, and I really liked, really liked T.J. Hawkinson, but I did not play him, and I just wish I had played him at the very least in the lineup that I had Eckler in, because uh, yeah. I, I had Cooks like in every single lineup I had. 
like CD Lamb almost in every single lineup. And, you know, I think the combination of those guys would have been uh, pretty fantastic. So it was what it was. I, I you know, I, I had a lot of Seahawks defense, which looked good for, you know, half the afternoon at least. <laughs> well, the one thing is, is that that was a uh, once a year type of game. I, we're not going to see anything like that again. You know, a, a Lions four stack took down the Millie Maker. <laughs> it was a it was a six stack of like that game though. Like I, you know, I yeah. don't know, man. Like we might see something like that again. I mean, as the meta shifts and there's these type of games, you've got a just a stud quarterback. I know that your opinion of Jared Goff is uh, not always been the highest, but the dude's been in three of the top sixteen high scoring games and he's not playing defense. So like the other team scoring is not, you know, not his fault, but he is man the offense for three of the top 16 scoring games of all time. Yeah. I, you know, this new offensive coordinator that Alliance have, and, uh, and I'll actually give a lot of credit to Mark Brunel. Um, he's really worked with Goff all off season and you can see the changes in his game. He's, he's more focused. He's making better decisions. He's not trying to, out throw his arm is the way I would put it. And uh, he's becoming really efficient this year. And he's, he's changing my mind about Jared Goff talent. Yeah. Look, I think the big thing about Goff, and this has always been the case is that Goff has been a good quarterback when he's protected. And I mean, that's the case with a lot of guys, but I mean, he becomes close to an elite quarterback when he has the protection and, you know, at times he hasn't, I mean, if he was in LA this year, he certainly wouldn't because Stafford's not getting any protection, but here he has some offensive weapons. Um, They're utilizing some of these guys in ways that they need to be. Now I was kind of afraid that without, uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, without a DeAndre Swift, that that offense had an opportunity at looking rather anemic. But luckily for them, they were playing against Seattle, whose defense has looked absolutely atrocious on its own and a team that's just playing up in pace. And, you know, it was it was the perfect storm. So let's get right into it. Um, I think that the first game Thursday showdown, this is something that uh, you're a little bit more into. But like this, this showdown looks absolutely atrocious. Um, you know, I think Jonathan Taylor has been announced out. Javante Williams is out. So you're going to look at these uh, two backfields that are just going to be manned by committee. Uh, there are reports that Philip Lindsay might get the majority of the carries for the for the Colts. And then on the Broncos side, is it Mike Boone? Is it Latavius Murray? Is it Melvin Gordon? Like, I, I tend to believe it's still going to be Melvin Gordon. But if he drops that ball, man, all bets are off. So is Lat, Lat Murray is in Denver now? Yeah, he was signed off of the uh, the practice squad over in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> God, that guy keeps creeping up every week. Different team, right? <laughs> yep. And I don't know if Philip Lindsay is even in the pool, which is just makes it even more kind of interesting. So he's probably the guy that's going to get most. I mean, look. You're looking at two running back stables, Gordon, Boone, Murray, Hines, Jackson, Lindsay. And both of these teams have shown a inability to consistently pass the ball. This mm-hmm. just feels like a hard pass for me. Like, I, I just, I don't know. You're more of a showdown guy. I'll probably put a couple lineups in, but I, I just don't really have a lot of interest in this game personally. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a tough one. Um 
if I wasn't so addicted to showdowns, I'd probably pass on it too. But uh, I'll probably build a lot of lineups with with defenses and slot receivers, short short yardage type of guys. Um, God, Matt Ryan just looks terrible to me. Um, Again, I don't know if it's totally Matt Ryan. Like the, this offensive line has been absolutely atrocious, and it's a big yeah. part of why Jonathan Taylor hasn't been able to do anything. Like the guy's not getting holes. Um, he's not getting the holes that he got last year. Uh, the protection hasn't been there, and it's not like they're loaded in the wide receiver position for guys for him to throw to. I mean, Matt Ryan, I think last week had a pretty admirable game, though. I mean, he threw 27 for 37, and that's the same thing last two weeks, actually, as a whole. 73% completion rate. Um, you know, the guy's not doing bad. He's just not – this offense isn't converting at times. And I think that that's, that's a real – you know, it's the offensive line. You don't have any other way of saying it. You don't have good receivers. You don't have protection. You can't run the ball. Uh, that's how they were scoring a lot of times last year. So I don't know. I, I think that a lot of people are pinning this on Matt Ryan. And, uh, you know, he hasn't looked great, but the dude's thrown for a ton. And from a fantasy standpoint, um, I don't think he can really ask for much more. I mean, he has two 300-yard games, uh, maybe maybe a couple more touchdowns, I guess. But his price is always low enough. That's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we can kind of fast forward through this game. I, I need to dig into it a lot deeper, but – my my initial impression is probably the captain, either the quarterbacks or RB ones, and um, play a lot of defense. Yeah, I think I, I, where I would go is just playing on some of that. Um, I mean, they're on the road; it's a bad situation, slow scoring. But I'm going to go to Michael Pittman. I'm going to go with Matt Ryan on the other side. I'm going to play with a little Cortland Sutton kind of run back. Yeah, I like Sutton a lot. Those are going to be my trio of guys that I would play. And I'll probably like play the $3, 20 max and kind of just call it, you know, give me a little skin in the game. But uh, let's hop over to Sunday. Um, first game that I have up on the slate here is the Los Angeles Chargers still on the road. After traveling to Houston last week, they go back home. Then they go to Cleveland. They're going to play a defense that's pretty good on the road. Three-point favorites are these Chargers uh any interest in this game like what are your questions what are your thoughts how do you feel uh i i think it's pretty straightforward i mean you take you take nick chubb <laughs> and um and have we heard uh what's the injury situation with the chargers have we heard anything on their receivers i know williams was nursing something keenan allen's nursing something yeah, Keenan Allen didn't practice today, uh, still has that hamstring issue. We had a limited practice from Josh Palmer, uh, but those are the only ones that are uh, of note. So, uh, you know, a big Mike Williams type of day, especially if he's out. Uh, Gerald Everett, super cheap still, yeah. 4200 uh, On the other side of these, this, this whole equation, you've got David Njoku, who's um, really carved out a little niche for himself. But, you know, look, the Chargers have been semi-decent against the pass. I mean, this defense has not been good by any means, but they've been gashed by running backs the last two weeks, uh, the Jaguars and the Texans. So, yeah, I think Nick Chubb is going to be pretty popular. I would be heftily surprised if that wasn't the case. But, like, on this Charger side of things, does Mike Williams interest you? Is he a guy that you're targeting? Um <laughs> Cleveland's defense has been good, but they've they've given up a fair amount of fantasy points in every one of their games. 
Yeah, I do. It, with, if Allen's out, you definitely, I think Mike Williams is a must roster to a certain point. Um, Eckler finally had a breakout game. So um, hopefully Lombardi continues to use him the way he used him in the last game. Um, and I, I could see I, this is a perfect setup for Eckler. I mean, Cleveland has a, a good defensive line, but he's more of a pass catching back and can get beyond that line and make some big plays. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the thing about Eckler is that it's not like his usage was all that different. I mean, you know, he had 13 carries, just two of them went into the end zone. Uh, he had seven targets, which was the lowest in the last three games. Just one of them happened to go into the end zone. Yeah, so. it just, I don't know, it just felt different. The the routes they were putting him out, the way they were shifting him around, it just felt like they put him in better situations. It might not have been on the stat sheet as many, you know, more carries or anything. It just it just felt like they schemed a little bit better for him. Sure. I mean, I guess what I'm saying here is you can't count on the touchdowns. I mean, but that's what you're looking at yeah. when you're talking about Austin Eckler is a guy that it seems like when he does score, he scores in bunches. He had multiple games last year where he scored. Uh, I, I'm just looking at two where he scored three touchdowns and then four touchdowns and another one. So they do come in bunches. Uh, not necessarily my favorite spot, but perhaps like I, I do have concerns about the Chargers uh, going on the road to a defense that's just a little bit better. A team that's a little bit more scrappy than the Texans in Cleveland and doing this two weeks in a row. Uh, but th- that, that's where I'm at. I, I feel like I probably would bet the Browns here and believe that the Browns are going to win this game. It's kind of crazy, though, because, you know, when we started the season, even after week one or possibly even week two, Many people, myself included, thought the Chargers were one of the best teams in the NFL. But you see all of these injuries that they've had, and it's really put them a step below where I had them initially. Missing your left tackle, going against Miles Garrett, that's not going to be fun. No. Mark, let's talk about some uh, division foes of mine and yours. We've got the Chicago Bears, 18 implied points, versus the (laughs) Minnesota Vikings, uh, look, there was much about, you know, a lot of hype surrounding these Minnesota Vikings going into the year. A lot of people were talking about a much improved offense, a lot of excitement around this team looks the same to me. I think this team feels the same, yeah. looks the same. Yeah. I mean, Justin Jefferson is getting 10, 12, 13, whatever targets, and he's doing a lot with them, but that was last year. Adam Thielen is hit or miss. Dalvin cook is MIA. Uh, but he he had a pretty good game in London. He he had some carries. On the other side of things, though, Chicago, like just there's nobody playable on Chicago. I mean, Mooney no. had somewhat of a breakout game on Sunday, but that was really piggied off or piggybacked off of a, a 54 yard catch, which um, won a lot of people overs if you're betting on Justin Fields over 148 uh, because he got 170, but without that 50 yards, it just wouldn't be there. Um, <laughs> Look, when we're talking about this game, Justin Jefferson's at 9,000, though. That's huge, and I don't necessarily think he's getting such a high workload that it constitutes that, you know? Yeah, that and that's the problem. Which Kirk Cousins where we see this offensive line? It's another offensive line that just doesn't seem to be gelling correctly. I mean, they, they're not opening up holes um, for Delvin Cook. Um, Cousins seems to be panicking a little bit in the pocket and overthrowing a lot. Um, 
I kind of feel like I'm going to avoid this game um, pretty much completely um, until uh, Jefferson can can show some more consistency and Delvin Cook gets running a little bit better. Uh, and like you said, Chicago is unplayable. Yeah, I mean, looking at this real quick here, I think what you would, I think Dalvin Cook at 7,300, something that you have to consider. I mean, he's getting the workload. The touchdowns aren't there. He hasn't gotten to the 100 yard mark. If either of those two things or both of them happen, he's due for a big day. The problem Mm -hmm. with Jefferson is he is, he's consistent. It's just this price is so high. Um, At 9,000, you know, the guy's getting, 10 to 15 targets, but he's going to need to catch almost every single one of those balls unless he's going to get a two-touchdown game. And look, that happens. It happened in week one against the Packers, uh, but he hasn't scored a touchdown since. In fact, you know, he had the two games with like 50 yards. Bounce back, 150 yards. 150 yards last week, 10 catches. That's the type of game that you need to see from him. Um but, you know, last week he did he did find the end zone. It was just uh, through the, the ground game. So, yeah, I mean, bits and pieces, definitely not a stackable game. Chicago is just not going to keep up if this Minnesota offense is humming. And if it's not, uh, then this is just going to be a bunch of unplayable pieces that are overpriced. Yep. All right, so we've got a uh, close game, one that doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to have a ton of fantasy goodness. We've got Tennessee two-and-a-half-point favorites at the 22-and-a-half implied line over the Washington Commanders. Um, you know, it looks like there's been some 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 injuries. This Tennessee team is still pretty feisty, uh, but injuries to both receiving cores here. Um, Burks not playing more than likely. I don't think – maybe that's 100%. Let me just check. I think he's out for a while. Uh, Traylon Burks. Oh, he's doubtful with the toe, did not practice, so it's not for sure. Uh, Dotson, Dotson, the guy that just finds the end zone all the time, okay. he is also questionable with a hamstring. Um, Ron Rivera was quoted as saying he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks. So, on top of that, Curtis Samuel missed with illness, probably will be back later in the week. Is this finally, you know, the week for Terry McLaren? Uh, the guy's been getting some targets. He's been there, had a hundred yard game two weeks ago, but still just not over that hump yet. Are you interested in some Terry McLaren? Do you have his price up by any chance? Uh, yeah. So his price is uh 6,200. So this is pretty low for Terry. It is, but that drops him into that range. I, he's at that. I could, I could have some interest. Yeah. 6200 is a pretty good price for Terry. Um, I do tend to stay around that high fives, low six range in receivers. Um, I, but yeah, I guess maybe. And what is a, um, shit. Uh, go on. I'm, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you look at these two defenses, um, you know, Washington's been really good against the run the last two weeks. Uh, granted, they they were gashed by the Lions. They were gashed by um, what is it, the Eagles or uh, gashed by the Giants uh, or gashed by the Jaguars too. So they were better against the Eagles. They were better against the Cowboys. But 
Like, look, this Tennessee defense has stopped the run game. We think Brian Robinson might make a return. Antonio Gibson has been completely ineffective. This game is in Washington. Commanders tend to play better there. The one thing I will say about this Tennessee defense, a, a strength that we kind of thought maybe going into the season of a team that neither you nor I were very high on um, was going to be kind of maybe the secondary. But, look, the secondary has been bad. They gave up 63 points to the Bills uh, past you know, or 71 if you count the tight end. Uh, we're talking what 49, 59, uh, 62 to the Raiders, and then 71 to the Colts. Massive points to the tight ends. Um, I don't know. I think this is a fire up Logan Thomas at 3,200, fire up Terry McLaren at 6,200, gives you a ton of flexibility, and, and possibly, you know, you're even considering guys like Diami Brown or Cam Sims. Uh, Curtis Samuel at 5,800 is definitely a guy that, you know, if he comes back from his illness, has seen 11, 9, 10, and 7 targets. Definitely a guy I want there. He just needs to find the end zone or get some more yards. Yeah, I'm, it's, I agree with all that thinking. And I, I like the discount you get with Curtis Samuel, too. Um, it might not, I mean, is the game stackable? Could you do a, could you do a Wentz and maybe... Logan Thomas, Terry, touchdown Terry, and run it back with Tennessee running backs? I think you you definitely can do anything that you want. I just don't think that that's the spot. There are a couple other, I, I feel like, much, much better spots. And I just don't know what the range of outcomes, uh, like what, what kind of real ceiling you have stacking this game. Yeah. There are a couple of really juicy ones. Let's get into one that um, – isn't juicy for a lot of reasons, but you've got the Houston Texans divisional matchup against the Jaguars. The Jaguars have been a pleasant surprise this season. They've looked a lot better. They've got a ton of options on the outside, Kirk Jones, Jones. Um, and then Jamal Agnew came out of nowhere last week to score multiple touchdowns on a week that I, uh, was fully invested in Travis Etienne's breakout, but you know the Jaguars did not trail early in that game like I thought they were going to. In fact, they led. Um, but I, I I feel pretty confident that that's going to be the case here too. So I don't think this is an Etienne yeah. week. I think this is a James Robinson week. I think you can pick a, a Christian Kirk or a Zay Jones, and you can run it back here because Brandon Cooks at 6,100 is still continuing to see a massive workload. Seven targets last week, caught all seven of them, 57 yards and a touchdown. Uh, this Houston offense just needs to get going earlier. That's the big thing. Yeah, and I, it, the thing about Brandon Cooks, too, is they're throwing to him in the red zone, mm -hmm. which is which is great. Um, you know, he's no longer just the deep ball threat. He's, he's changed his game a little bit to come across, be in the red zone. And uh, I, I love that about him. Now, the Jacksonville side, I think their defense has been a pleasant surprise. I think it's a lot stiffer than people gave it credit for, and I think it can stifle this um, Texans offense, especially Damien Pierce, um, who had had his breakout game finally, but I know he's not the best running back to begin with. I'm happy he had some success last week. Um, but I think this Jaguars – uh, defense can hold them hold them steady, and I think it's going to be a similar game to last week, where they they get out to an early lead and they can just kind of stifle the Texans. Yeah, um, they'll probably be able to hold off the Texans, unlike they were with the Eagles. But yeah, I guess my concern with Pierce is that while he's 
handling the bulk of the workload here for Houston. Um, his involvement in the passing game when they're far behind, is it going to continue? Like, look, if it's like last week and he got six targets, six catches, uh, you don't necessarily need this guy to get the 100 yards or 20 carries. The 14 right. or 15 will be sufficient. Uh, and that's kind of what you need to see from him. I'm, I'm pretty in on Pierce at 6,200. Uh, so I guess I'm a little differing there from you. I do expect Jacksonville to take care of business at home here, but this game probably a little bit closer than what the books have it. Um, let's go to a game that I really, really do like, and I don't think it's going to get a ton of attention. Uh, and that's going to be Seattle and new Orleans. I think the biggest takeaway that we're going to see from this past Sunday is a lot of people gravitating towards that lions game. Uh, you know, and, and trying to figure it out because obviously they're playing New England, not necessarily an offensive powerhouse. But when we look at the Seahawks and we look at New Orleans, it checks a couple boxes for me. Um, you know, this should be a relatively sloppy game from Seattle, right? Like they're traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast, to the West Coast, to the East Coast. That's got to weigh on a team to some extent. This team plays really fast. I mean, I think that they have the second most snaps with 15 or more seconds on the play clock. And look, that's great. Whether they convert or not, that's going to translate not only into more plays for them, but more plays for the other team. And that means, you know, guys like Chris Olave, maybe like a Jarvis Landry or Mike Thomas, but man, I am all over Chris Olave in this, in this game at 5,700. Is, uh, is Jameis playing? I don't think it matters to me. Um, I think he's questionable, but I, I don't think that that changes anything for me in terms of who the quarterback is with Olave. Uh, Jameis did not practice back injury, so we'll see. Okay. So probably the red rocket again, which he, he seemed fine throwing deep down to Olave, so – yeah, you've got Olave. I think Kamara probably comes back. You've got Jarvis Landry. Uh, both of those guys limited practice this week. They're questionable to play, but um, I like both of those guys. I like a stack for New Orleans. I think you can run it back with, um, you know, any one of the guys from this uh, Seattle team, whether it's Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. I pick one of those. I don't think I'm getting too cute with like a Noah Fant or a Will Disley. You know, they've uh, like, dude, somebody offered me. Kirk Cousins and Noah Fant today for God, I don't even remember who it was, but it's like, why would you send me two guys that I wouldn't even start? Like, and think that you're going to pull a guy off of my team that's starting like that. Like, it's just disrespectful. Don't send shit like that to people, guys. Like you're sending me Noah Fant. Come on, man. For the season, maybe, but not now. Uh, So, you know, I like this game. I like trying to figure out the pieces that are in it. It doesn't necessarily scream high score, but it has a 45 total. It is in a dome in New Orleans. Seattle's defense is terrible. I like it. I like it a lot. This week, 45 is at one of the higher games. We only have one game over 50, and it's not on the main slate. It's Monday night. There you go. Maybe it'll get a little bit more attention. Let's go to another one that's typically a high-scoring affair, and you know it's got one of the more surprising teams, at least in my opinion. Um, it's got this Atlanta Falcon team uh, traveling to Tampa Bay. This is going to be you know a divisional matchup, um, but we've got a lot of questions uh, at the the running back situation here. We've got a lot of cheap guys that we can play on Atlanta. Tyler Algier, forty-seven hundred. 
Uh, we've got Caleb Huntley, who seemed to get some of that goal line work. Carried the ball 10 times last week, uh, and he's only at 4,300. Do you have some interest in these ultra-cheap running backs of Atlanta going against what has been one of the best past or one of the best rush defenses over the last couple of years? Yeah, I like Algier a lot. Um, at his price, he's almost a lock in most of my lineups. Uh, he doesn't have to gain that much to make his price back. Yeah, I mean, I guess the concern is that we haven't seen either of these guys in the, the passing game, and who do we think is going to get that work? I, and, and we don't know. Hopefully, maybe like a guy like uh, you know Pitts ends up getting more action as well. That would be nice. Um, but I like <laughs> running this game back. I think that there's a, a lot of revenge narrative, and it's like a revenge on Giselle narrative that people are talking about with Tom Brady here. Maybe he's just going to absolutely light, light it up. Maybe the the weight of the world is off his shoulders. People know. People knew, but people know now. Uh, Chris Godwin back. Mike Evans just absolutely crazy the other night. They lost that game, but 6,900. Mike Evans is extremely playable. Uh, despite the pass defense from Atlanta, it's been pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually I love Tom Brady in this situation. He's always played uh, Atlanta great. Um I can totally see this to be a Tom Brady blow-up game. Uh, you know, I would lean towards playing Evans. He's by far his favorite target. That would be my stack. Um, Godwin looked okay in his first game back, but obviously rusty, a little slow. Um, yeah, and just go from there. Yeah, so, I mean, the question you have to ask yourself if you're playing one or more of these guys, like, do you think that they're going to be able to keep up uh, – Atlanta that is and if they aren't like how much does that downgrade those guys does it upgrade a guy like Leonard Fournette for you uh does it are you considering another cheap back that was in this game like Rashad White um it's not a big deal for me but uh that concern would probably keep me away from stacking this game heavily yeah that it, I guess it depends yeah, the, the scenario I see is that Tampa, Tampa's going to blow out Atlanta. So, um, yeah, you're right. You, you need to look at Atlanta's going to be throwing the ball a lot, so you're going to have – this might be a pit scheme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I will tell you that, like, the – it looks like the spread bet, 71% of the money is coming in on Tampa. Uh, this line was 10.5. It has – now moved to eight and a half. I think that line is too big. Atlanta is the only team 4-0 against the spread so far this year. So um, I, I like playing that. That spread's too big for a divisional game. I get it there on the road, but Atlanta's kind of a feisty team. So uh, I think that you can probably stack this game with a little more confidence than maybe that I was letting on. Um, let's go over to uh, the Northeast and talk about the Buffalo Bills. They are 30 0.25 implied team points going against Kenny Pickett in his first start. 16.2 implied points for the Steelers. The big question that I have, Mark, is how does this offense on the Steelers look with Kenny Pickett at quarterback? The biggest question is does Deontay Johnson still remain in this target hog role that he saw with Ben Roethlisberger, had questions about it going into the season, and Mitch Trubisky kept that going 
We didn't see a big game from Deontay. This happens. Are you worried that Deontay is not going to get the 10, 12, 13, 14 targets that we are accustomed to? No, I'm really not. I, in my mind, he's still the best receiver on the team. He will get open and get the best routes. Um, they, they'll design it to go to the best receiver. So I'm, I'm not overly worried about that. Well, one guy that I think is going to see a fair amount of looks and probably will be pretty popular when um, ownership projection comes out is going to be George Pickens. Uh, yeah. George Pickens kind of gaining some steam. Maybe he has uh, built up some level of rapport with sure. Kenny Pickett, both of them being rookies. Maybe the, you know they hung out together. I, who knows? I don't know. But he saw eight targets. Uh, he saw seven yeah. targets the week before. This guy's 4,300. I think he's going to be a popular value spot. Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially at 4,300. And you, and you have to figure those two played on the second team all preseason together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones practicing together in the offseason. Um, okay, there's going to be a rapport, and a lot of quarterback receivers have that. Um, 4,300, yeah, absolutely. Uh, great discount to play him. He's going to get targets. I just think Deontay is still going to be the person who gets the most targets and gets the best routes. Yeah, I think if Pickett comes in as a really highly owned value piece, I'm going to probably try and avoid him. I think that he can have a very bad game. Like we could see a three-target game like we saw in the first two uh, weeks. Um, I probably would want to pivot over to – uh, Deontay in that case. I mean, of course, you can play Stefan Diggs. There's a lot of things up in the air about that third wide receiver position for Buffalo. Isaiah McKenzie's kind of banged up. Does Khalil Shakir uh, pop up? I hope he does. I have him. I have his Rainmaker card. I could. I'm actually more. I'm actually more concerned about number two. Gabe Davis hasn't done anything this year. Uh, yeah, but he's not on the, uh, I don't think he's hurt anymore. Nope. He, full practice. He should be good to go. So look, the guy that I'm interested in is not in the receiving core. The guy that I might want to play in GPPs is Devin Singletary. Now, look, I know you're going to say, look, he had one good game. The guy is uh boomer bust, but like, look, dating back even into last year, but let's just look at this through the guys of this year, this Steelers defense has allowed, 28.2, 22.8, 29.4, and 20.7 fantasy points to running backs the last four weeks. I will tell you that this team was one of the absolute worst at stopping running backs or in terms of allowing points last year, multiple 30-point games, multiple 40-point games. This just feels like a spot where Devin Singletary, who has absolutely cemented himself as the premier back on this team, gets into the end zone once or twice maybe, you know, get some extra rushing yards. Could he possibly get to 100? I think it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I like that call a lot. I mean, he's definitely the workhorse back for the team now. And um, he catches a few balls out of the backfield. So there's a good chance he could he could put up a couple of touchdowns in this game. Even if he doesn't get to 100 yards rushing, um I could see him getting four or five receptions to add on top of it. Yeah, I hope that we kind of see more like what we saw towards the end of last season and into the playoffs where the guy was getting, you know, 20 
somewhere in the high teens to 20 carries. Right now, he's just not getting those carries. But they've had a really unique set of games. You know, Baltimore, yeah. they trailed the majority of the game. That Miami game, certainly a, a much different game than what they're used to. Uh, the, the starters only played like two and a half quarters against Tennessee. And I think so, probably pretty similar against the Rams. So, um, you know, is this game script going to be a little bit different? Does this follow closer to the Titans? Uh, it is at home. But I will tell you, teams that have not uh, covered the spread in more than 10-point favorites or 10-point dogs tend to cover that spread at like a 60% rate. So this Pittsburgh Steelers team uh, should maybe keep it close. I don't think so. Uh, I think Buffalo rolls. Yeah. Grab a piece out of here. There's going to be somebody that has some fantasy points, and uh, hopefully you get it right. Let's go to a game that I think is stackable. I think that this game – albeit a division game, albeit maybe not in a, a prime weather location. But we've got the Miami Dolphins going to the New York Jets. Now, of course, the big thing here is Teddy Bridgewater is going to be under center for Miami. Um, does that change anything for you? Do, you? do you think that, like, do you not want Jalen Waddell? Didn't practice groin injury. And if he doesn't practice, are you automatically just locking and loading Mr. Tyreek Hill. What's the spread in this? Uh, we've got a three-point spread. We've got Miami as a three-point favorite here. Yeah, I think you you have to you have to lock in Tyreek, right? It's it's the Tyreek and Waddle show. I mean, that's <laughs> that seems to be their entire offense for the most part. So if Waddle's hobbled at all, I'm I'm locking and loading Hill. What's his price? Do you have it up? A Tyreek Hill's up to eight thousand dollars. So uh, he is. Yeah, getting, that's tough. But he's yeah, look. It is. But we saw 12, 13, and fourteen targets in three of these four games. Yeah. Um, you know he's gone over one hundred and fifty yards in two of those. Major touchdown threat. Um, I, I absolutely love him. I mean, just to give you context, this is a Tyreek Hill that was you know in mid eights and even up to eighty nine hundred at points last year. So. His workload has not changed to what we saw. In fact, I feel like maybe they even utilize him downfield more than um, more than Kansas City did. Uh, Kansas City would find ways to get him open deep, but he, he became more an over-the-center type of guy and a deep decoy as that team just methodically moved down and didn't take unnecessary chances. This Miami team is a little bit more reckless. Uh, they're a little bit more young, maybe some more bravado. Something to prove. I love Tyreek Hill at $8,000. If he was cheaper, the biggest problem that you'd have is everybody playing him. At this yeah. price, it makes you think twice. I think you run it back with Garrett Wilson, too. Uh, people seem to be down on Garrett Wilson, only six targets from Zach Wilson. But look, he's not going to get double digit targets every week. He's at 5,200. I like playing an, a rookie centric kind of approach here. I like playing a Garrett Wilson with a Chris Olave, with a George Pickens, and then I can, you know, go ahead and grab myself a Delvin Cook, grab myself a Tyreek Hill, uh, grab myself some of these other pieces, uh, you know, that, that are out there. Uh, and, and, you know, look, that sounds great to me. Now this is going to be Teddy quarterbacking, right? Correct. So do they unleash Teddy? They let him throw downfield to Tyreek? I think so. I think Teddy's a, a better passer than we when we give him credit for. So, um, 
McDaniel's offense probably opens some things up. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's okay. I think it's all right. I, I'm excited for this game. Now, what do you think about Brees Hall? I think you can play Brees Hall at 5,400. I think you play Michael Carter week to week basis. You can play one, but you can't play both. Brees Hall did pop up on the injury report. He's questionable. He had a limited practice because of his knee. Uh, so we do have to monitor that. But if he's not playing, I think Carter's a kind of a lockstep kind of got to mm-hmm. go with this guy. But yeah, I mean, look, Brees Hall, 17 carries last week, crushed the, the Steelers, like we said, everybody does. Uh, whereas Michael Carter has been kind of phased out a little bit, 31 and 38 snaps the last two weeks, whereas Brees Hall was at 46 and 40. So pretty even, but I feel like it's shading towards Brees Hall. Maybe the injury changes something. Yeah, that's how I feel too. It just, I don't, it just seems like they're focusing on him a little bit more and, and he's at the right price. So mm-hmm. I, I really like his price. So if, if he comes off that injury report, I think I'm going to be loading him up. All right. Well, we'll top into the game that you and I have been waiting to talk about the <laughs> last game on the 1 p.m. slate. We've got the Detroit Lions with the best offense, highest scoring, at least in the league, going against a New England team that I guess in a lot of ways, I, I feel like this is a this is a good spot for Detroit. Like, right. Like we're going into New England Um but like New England's strength is on the ground. And I think that that's going to be a problem. They're not going to be able to stop Stevenson. They're not going to be able to stop Harris, who, again, just becomes this guy that scores touchdowns every week. Mm-hmm. But I don't think New England's going to be able to run away with this game kind of in the way that Seattle did. You know, the, the Lions caught up a couple times. They were within striking distance. But they were really always two possessions out of that game, right, for the most right. part. Is New England going to be able to do that? Can New England stop them? Does not? Does Detroit want to come out here and just you know have the defensive performance of their life going against for some of these guys, their former coach and the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots? Yeah. It's, so first off, um, as bad as Detroit's defense is, I. I really don't see the New England receivers being the same caliber as like the uh, Seattle receivers. I actually think Detroit's corners can handle them relatively well. It will be the ground game that they have to worry about, but ground games are going to be methodical and slow, so I don't think New England's going to pull away necessarily here. Now, it's a typical Bill Bill Belichick moment. One thing – I really like about this game is I'm going to be fading Hawkinson. I think the recency bias, that huge game that he had, people are going to try to play him. That's going to be the receiver that Belichick takes out of the game. Um, That's the one thing you can always count on with new England is they target that one player and just completely annihilate him. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the biggest problem I think for the lions is just like they're banged up. There are not a lot of teams that are as banged up as them. I mean, look, these are all guys that are questionable and didn't practice. Uh, linebacker Chris Ford, Evan Brown, center, Quintez Cyphus, uh, Cephas, wide receiver DJ Chark, we know who he is, Taylor Decker, TJ Hawkinson, Jonah Jackson, offensive guard, Matt Nelson, offensive tackle, Frank Ragnow, the center, Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift, all questionable, did not practice. 
Uh, a couple of those offensive guys got some limited work in, but like this, this offense is banged up uh, seemingly because they've played six or seven games. Uh, when you look at the amount of plays that they've run. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not worried about the offensive line guys. Um, the lions uh, tend to rest them a lot more than other players just to give them kind of maintenance days off, especially like a rag now. Um, but without St. Brown, without DeAndre Swift, uh, yeah, they're still going to be hurting. I expect Hawkinson to play, but like I said, I expect him to be taken out. So we're looking at more of a Josh Reynolds type of day. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that there are parts. I, this this game is going to be probably more popular than it should be, but you know, you look at what the Lions have. Uh, been able to not do in terms of stopping teams so far this year. I think you do have to take uh, take some shots on different guys here. Uh, but sure. like New England's defense was not good against a receiving core in Green Bay that is not good. Um, so, you know, they played very well against the Steelers, who have looked bad. They played well against the Ravens to some extent, but got gashed by Mark Andrews. They got gashed by Lamar Jackson. So some of those fantasy points that would have been attributed to other positions went into these other places and were funneled there. Um, I like taking stabs at like Jacoby Myers if he's playing at 4,800. I don't think you can go wrong. Devontae Parker is the type of receiver that eats up the Lions, 4,700. And if he's not playing or if you feel like they are going to center on one guy, then Nelson Aguilar, 4,000, just absolutely all these pieces become very playable. Same thing can be said about Damian Harris and uh, Ramondre Stevenson at 56 and 5,500. There's just a lot of guys that you play here. The one guy I don't think you play is Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams at 6,500 got there last week. I don't think he gets there again this week. Um, he, I mean, he really got there. But how? look, he scored two touchdowns in three of the four games. That's going to regress. That's mm-hmm. going to regress. Um, but maybe not. Look, if they're scoring five, six, seven touchdowns a game, maybe he gets one or two of those every single time. I don't know. Um, let's, go to, <laughs> let's go to a game that has like no interest for me, and that's going to be San Francisco and Carolina. Carolina, I, I just don't think you can play anybody. Christian McCaffrey is too expensive. I mean, look, if you drafted him in your redraft fantasy league, you're okay with the production he's getting, especially because of the guys around him. Uh, your, your decision with Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. I think you're happy with Christian McCaffrey. You're kicking yourself that you didn't go Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson, but you're happy you didn't get Jonathan Taylor, right? Uh, <laughs> right. He's not Christian McCaffrey pre-injury that we remember him as, but he is a guy that is accumulating yards. This team sucks around him. Uh, this Carolina defense is good, though. Caroline Stevens is good. I can't play Jeff Wilson. I, I don't think I can play Debo Samuel at 77. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want anything. This this game's just a, a complete wash. I think the San Francisco defense at 3,800 is maybe playable, or even the Carolina defense at 2,600 at home against kind of an anemic offense in San Francisco. Yeah, I agree. I really don't have any interest in this game. All right. Well, let's hop over to the 425 games. We've got two of them left. We're moving at a great pace here. Wonderful pace. We've got the Dallas Cowboys against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, two teams that like are seemingly in different places, Mark. Um, you know, when Dak went down, 
at the beginning of the year, did you think that this Cowboys team would be where they are? And at the beginning of the year, did you think this Rams team would be where they are and who they are? No, I, two things is I didn't realize Cooper rush was uh, this solid of a quarterback. He's, he's doing a fine job manning this team. And I had no idea that the Rams offensive line would be this bad. I knew it wasn't great, <laughs> but it is horrible. Yeah, like so from the Dallas perspective, like um, I've seen some reports and people talk about how Cooper Rush is one of the smartest kind of guys. He's going to transition to an offensive coordinator at some point and do very well. Uh, broke this guy broke down some tape. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but showed some of the throws, showed exactly what he was reading, how he read it, and, and what was good. Uh, so I really like that. And I think that, you know, he has a rapport with C.D. Lamb, who is a little bit priced up at 7000 Um, We've gotten into a point where it's tough to play him, but I still think that you can, depending on what your, you know, ownership comes back at. And, like, look, people are going to say Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, who's covering C.D. Lamb. I don't think that that matters. Um, not ever, not now, not here. But, look, this L.A. team, it almost feels like they won the championship. Dude, it feels like Rocky in Rocky Three. That's what it feels like to me. Clubber Lang has come in and is just beating the shit out of these guys. When are they going to respond? Or are they just going to hang it up? You know, this, who knows? Yeah, I can't believe how bad Allen Robinson looks. Man, he looks like he's 80 years old. He can't get open. He can't catch the ball right through his hands. And I mean, um, Stafford's <laughs> running for his life, has a, so, has a sore elbow with a boot. Um, we had He had no choice but to throw um, every pass to Cooper Cup last week for a record-breaking number of targets. And um, I mean, and Dallas doesn't have a terrible defense, so I, you can expect Cooper Cup to still get there. You kind of always play him, especially in cash and Higby, but I don't know. I don't know if this is the spot where they're going to blow up. I think this is going to be another tightly contested game. Yeah, when you look at this, I mean, they're five-point favorites. They are at home. I feel like that they've maybe played a little bit better at home than they have on the road. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess that's not necessarily true because they got crushed by Buffalo, but they played the Falcons decent. I mean, I don't know, man. <clears throat> maybe this is just – you know, not it. This is not their year. Tyler Higby is going to be the highest on tight end at 4,300 coming off of a what, 14 target game. At some point, though, you have to figure that there is some dissension in the locker room um, from guys like maybe like an Allen Robinson. When do you pick up the phone and call Odell Beckham, or have they probably already done that? Oh, I think they have. Uh, if you listen to the telecast last week, the, um, they were talking about Odell saying, you know, he's there. It's a, it's a business where we got to work out the money. He's rehabbing down the Bahamas. And so <laughs> I think, I think they've reached out and he's just, he's asking for a certain amount and they're not quite there ready to say, we'll give you that. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's move into this last game and wrap it up here. We've got the Arizona Cardinals uh, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, a game of, Birds, birds playing. It's a bird fight. Who do you like? 
who do you want to play? Uh, you know, this this Philadelphia offense has looked dynamic. Uh, Jalen Hurts has ascended to a spot that looks kind of like COVID year Josh Allen. But we've seen Jalen Hurts in the past get off to great starts, not unlike the other quarterback, Kyler Murray, in this game. Do these guys start to crash down to earth? Is this the week, or is that going to happen later in the year, or not at all? I It's looking like not at all, but I definitely say this is not the week. Okay. <laughs> Arizona's defense is atrocious. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Jalen Hurts is probably going to be my cash game quarterback this week. <laughs> I'm going to be – I'm going to be stacking him up as much as I can. Fair enough. Are you looking to go to uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard? I mean, look, if you're playing cash, like you can play Jalen Hurts. You don't have to stack him, obviously. You're not yeah. playing Goddard because you're going to play Higby. Higby's like a lock in cash, I would imagine. And I don't, Goddard hasn't been really that impressive to me this year either. Um, I, I lean – if you can, if you can afford it, AJ Brown is the is the obvious target. But Deontay Smith, the the problem with him is it's a boomer bust with him, right? So, sure. yeah, this might be a gamey boom. So I will definitely have a couple of stacks with him. Uh, what about guys like Rondell Moore? Didn't really do a whole lot in his return, or a guy like Marquise Brown, who. We were a little bit worried uh, on the Sunday morning show over at Dr. Roto. We were we were concerned a little bit about what his role was going to look like with some of these other wide receivers coming back. But uh, still no A.J. Green, more than likely. Uh, still no DeAndre Hopkins. So Marquise Brown at 7,200 has seen you know 39 targets over the last three weeks, 11, 17, and 11. Yeah. Uh, you know, is this a is this a, a spot that you're looking to run it back? Probably, probably not in cash. He's pretty expensive, but GPP, I think you have to consider it, right? Yeah, I don't. I actually don't do a lot of runbacks in cash. Okay. Um, so, but definitely GPP, I would absolutely run it back with Hollywood. I he he's become uh, the favorite target, so I don't see it slowing down. They don't really have anybody else. I mean. Ertz is doing okay, um, but he just seems a step slower. Um, he's been dropping the ball a little bit more than I've seen him in previous seasons. So it seems like um, they're really relying on Hollywood for the receiving on this team. Yeah, he didn't practice today because of a uh, foot injury, so you do have to monitor that. Ertz has been getting close to double-digit targets every single week. I, I'm just trying to pull up what he got this past week. Uh, yeah, what's his yeah, what's his receptions though? Because it's um, I don't have last week's, but the the previous two weeks he had ten targets, six catches for forty five, eleven targets, eight catches for seventy five, and I know he scored a touchdown on his targets. Uh, you know, two in the red zone. And here's the big thing: in those weeks, you know, uh, so what, what are we talking? Twenty seven targets, uh, eight of them. Eight of them were in the red zone, and he had two out of four in the red zone in week one. So definitely a red zone threat, 4,800. Um, you know, similar price point, pivot off of Higby. I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's like you said, it's, it's red zone target. So he's a little bit touchdown dependent, but in a GPP, that's fine. Yeah, I would say this, you know, Higby is probably going to be the um, 
chalk tight end, but tight end is absolutely loaded this week and at a price point where you kind of have your pick. I'm going to run through this. So you, you've got your premium ones, George Kittle at 52 and TJ Hawkinson at 49. You've got Zach Ertz at 48, um, Goddard at 47. And then you get into the nitty gritty here. You've got Kyle Pitts at 44, Higby at 43, Gerald Everett, maybe with no Keenan Allen at 42, David Njoku at 38, maybe a Pratt. Pat Fryermuth at 41, Dawson Knox, 36, Tyler Conklin, 37. And then you start to get into some uh, of the questionable guys. But like that whole 30, 30, I'd say 37 to 44 range of like six or seven guys all have good roles. All are high volume guys. You can even get down to, you know, given some of the injuries, somebody like Logan Thomas at 3,200 or getting really dirty with some of these other options that we have. But uh, I think you have a lot of picks there. Mark, favorite defense? Favorite defense or tight end? Favorite defense. Let's jump to defenses and close it out. Uh, who's the uh, who's the bottom three? Uh, we've got Arizona at 2,100 going against the Eagles. We've got Atlanta against Tampa Bay. We've got Chicago against Minnesota. Pittsburgh against Buffalo. Houston against Jacksonville. Dallas against LA. I think that's that's where it starts to get interesting, right? Dallas at 2,500. Yeah. That's that's a spot. Carolina at 2,600. I think far less people will look there, but they are a home team in that scenario. Um, maybe even yeah, the- out of what you've said, uh, Carolina is my favorite there. Otherwise, I'm I'm probably just punting it. Well, I'm going to give you a couple other ones as we get up because there are a couple more that I think are kind of interesting. So above Carolina, you get to the New York Jets, 2,600. Again, at home against Teddy Bridgewater. You've got Cleveland, uh, you know, a pressure-filled defense. Miles Garrett at home against the Chargers, two straight weeks on the East Coast. That might be interesting at 2,700. And then finally, the Washington Commanders, who – uh, you know, haven't been wonderful, but they're playing Tennessee, and Tennessee has been depleted. Washington's been good at least against the run, so there's that. Yeah, not interested in Washington, but I like the Cleveland play. I could, I could get behind that. Got it, got it. All right. Well, do you have anything to round it out with? We made it perfectly to the hour. I'm going to let yeah. you close this out. If you want to say something about the tight ends quarterbacks, wide receivers. If you want to say something about the running backs, go ahead. But close <laughs> us out. And uh, nice. I'll see everybody on uh, on the iLogic Network on eSports with Emmerich. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing the Shark Cove World's Group Edition Episode 1. Going to have a couple. It's 20K to first, so it's going to be pretty exciting uh, Friday night, the game. So tomorrow, the show. But go ahead. Close it out, Mark. All right, my favorite tight end is going to be Njoku. I'm going to load him up all over the place. I love that slot. Um, and little news for me, I will be doing a new podcast Monday nights for Dr. Roto. It's called Secondary Assist. I will be talking about NHL DFS, which is kind of my obsession right now. And uh, I hope everybody will tune in. All right, well, sounds good. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Mark, as always. Uh yeah. All right. The broadcast. I don't know. I don't have a closing one for this. So. All right. See you <laughs> later.